Imagine hiking through the woods on a beautiful summer day. You're following a clearly defined trail and enjoying the scenery, whittling away at your supply of granola bars. And like most walks in the woods, a few sights and sounds off the trail draw your attention away from the trail, and you decide to venture just a few feet away to look at a unique rock formation that caught your eye. And before you know it, you've wandered a little farther from the trail while looking at everything else, and suddenly, you can't find the trail. You've wandered so far that you're officially lost, and I know that feeling. Frantically, you look in all directions for some familiar landmark, some bent tree, some rock formation to lead you back to the trail, but there isn't one. A sense of hopelessness settles over you. It's going to take a miracle, or Life360, for somebody to find you. This episode not brought to you by Life360. Being lost means we've become disconnected from what makes us feel safe. It takes away some of our sense of balance in life. It leaves us looking for something. Lost means what once was clearly seen, clearly visible, is now hidden. We can't find it. Being lost can bring about the greatest feeling of aloneness a human can experience. Whatever causes us to become lost, whether it's being preoccupied or being forgetful, being distracted, whatever it is, can cause us to spiral into despair. Our minds begin to reel with thoughts of what life would be like if we are never found. The heart-gripping fear a mother experiences when she realizes her child has been lost, it's indescribable. She'll go to any extreme, any length, lose all sense of respectability and decorum just to find her lost child. Well, far beyond any danger of being physically lost is being spiritually lost. The Word of God is clear path for anybody wanting to be saved. Being distracted by the things of this world can cause us to leave the well-worn path and become lost. One distraction after another leads us farther and farther from God. But when we are spiritually lost, all is not lost. All is not hopeless. Luke 19 verse 10 beautifully tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Take heart. Be encouraged. While we are looking to be saved, God is looking to save us. Like a mother with a lost child, the Lord will go to great extremes, great measures to find every last lost soul. And we're going to hear a story about one lost soul right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I am your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson that is dated April 2nd, 2023. If you have the lesson guide, the leader guide, the small group guide, the daily devotional guide, if you have any of those, you'll find that. It's entitled, Once Lost, Now Found. And it stems from Luke 19, verse 10, where the Bible beautifully, mercifully declares, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Love from a parent to a child is nearly indescribable. Words spoken, cards written, even gifts given, they all fall short of expressing the depth of love from a parent to a child. Regardless of what wrong that child may commit, and believe it or not, sometimes our little angels commit some wrong. Mom and dad are still going to love them. Much greater is the love of Jesus for people no matter our sin. And certainly sin has consequences both now and in eternity, make no mistake. But no sin will ever cause God to stop loving us. 
John 3.16 beautifully reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. His love was so deep for lost humanity that he was willing to die as a sacrifice for our sins. While we were lost a million miles away from Jesus, spiritually speaking, he died for us so we could be in close relationship with him. Think about that for a moment. Jesus loved you enough that he died for you before you were even born, and certainly before you were even born again. John 15, verses 13 through 14, give us amazing insight into the love of Jesus, for it reads, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. We have close friends. We say we'd be willing to do nearly anything for, but if it came down to it, if it was life for life, it would be difficult. If it was really put to the test, we might not be willing to die for them. And yet Jesus had no reservation. When the holiness of God demanded that a sacrifice be made for our sin, Jesus willingly laid down his own life for us, even for people who have no desire to have any relationship with Jesus. Brings us to our first question. How does it make you feel to know Jesus died for you while you were still lost? Since the beginning of time, our God has been reaching for people who are lost. Imperfect people, weak people, discouraged, disillusioned, disappointed, defeated. He loves us all. Broken, all together, nothing together, little bit together. There's never been a sinner God has not loved. Luke chapter 15 begins a trio of parables by telling of a shepherd who counted his sheep only to realize one was missing. Although 99 sheep were accounted for, the shepherd set out to find the one lost sheep. And some people may feel that losing one, that's not a big deal, just You still have 99. That's a pretty good percentage. Why go through all the trouble and risk your life just to find one lost sheep shouldn't have wandered away in the first place? And it might not have mattered to others, but it mattered to the shepherd. He knew the sheep would die if left separated from the flock. And at that moment, the one lost sheep was as valuable to him as the 99 who were safe. At peril and danger to his own life, the shepherd went out to find the last lost sheep. Imagine his relief when the shepherd laid eyes on the one who was lost. The lost sheep was safe because the shepherd found it. The shepherd carefully lifted the sheep onto his shoulders and carried it back to the fold. Can you recall, recount a time you felt the wonderful relief of finding something or someone that was lost? Maybe you lost a wallet or keys, or maybe you did misplace a child or somebody in the family or a mother-in-law, and then you felt great relief and joy when what was lost, who was lost, was found. The second parable is of the woman who lost a silver coin. It might have been a drachma, which would be equal to a day's wages. So she frantically turned her home upside down in a desperate search for this coin. Light was pretty poor in those days. She couldn't just go down to Cabela's and buy a 15 million candle power spotlight. This episode not brought to you by Cabela's. So she had to light a lamp. And she swept and she turned every piece of furniture upside down, looked under the couch, looked under the love seat, looked under the coffee table, looked everywhere just to find it, swept the entire floor just in case that coin was covered with dirt. And suddenly, there it was. She had ransacked her whole house, but she found the coin. The joy of the shepherd finding the lost sheep, the joy of the woman finding the lost coin, all pale in comparison to Jesus finding a lost sinner. Luke 15 verse 10 tells us, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. If we rejoice over temporal things being found, could you imagine how much 
Jesus rejoices over every sinner who repents. People place great value on money and possessions, but Jesus places even greater value on people. Next question. How often do you see the value in people like Jesus does? Hebrews 12 verse 2 expresses the joy Jesus felt in saving the lost. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down to the right hand of the throne of God. Amazing. Jesus endured the pain and the agony of the cross because of the joy that lay before him. That joy was you. That joy was me. That joy was every lost soul. For Jesus, the joy of saving the lost was greater than any pain he would have to suffer. Isaiah 61 verse 10 gives us instructions on how we should respond toward God for purchasing our salvation. Isaiah wrote, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. We should rejoice because of the joy set before us in our salvation. One time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and Jesus responded by saying, After this manner therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 10. That prayer was a sincere request for the will of God to be done right here in earth. God is not willing that any should perish. It is God's will for everyone to be saved. Now, we understand not everybody will accept salvation. They won't all hear the gospel, respond to it. But all of heaven will rejoice when people do. Anytime anyone is born again, heaven rejoices. When you repented of your sins, heaven rejoiced. When you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and your sins were washed away, heaven rejoiced. When you were filled with the gift of God's Holy Spirit, heaven rejoiced. It only makes sense if heaven rejoices that earth should rejoice. If our Father rejoices, we should rejoice when others are born again. We should be like the father of the prodigal son in Luke 15, the third parable, who proclaimed, This my son was lost, but is found. Think about the last person you recall being born again. Did you feel overwhelming joy to see them being born again? That happened for me just this past Sunday. There's a gentleman who's been coming to church, and our pastor has been teaching him a Bible study. And this past Sunday, he was baptized in water in the name of Jesus at the beginning of service. And then he stood there in the altar as tears flowed down his face. He lifted his hands, and God filled him with the gift of his Holy Spirit. It was beautiful to watch him born of water and born of the Spirit on the selfsame Sunday. And I rejoiced. I joined in with heaven as all of us, heaven and earth, rejoiced. Luke 19, we meet Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector. Now, as a general rule, the Jews hated tax collectors. As a general rule, quite frankly, a lot of people in the world, they're not exactly Christmas card pen pals with tax collectors. These tax collectors, though, were agents of the hated Roman Empire who collected their taxes, and they had the power to increase all the fees just as much and as long as they wanted. They would send back what Rome was owed in taxes, and then they would pocket the rest. They would pay their boat and beach house based on what they made off of you that you didn't owe, but they said you did. Many of them became wealthy, filthy wealthy, all at the Jews' expense. And apparently Zacchaeus followed this practice, and hey, he was hated for it. And yet Jesus showed us that even a man like Zacchaeus could be saved. 
Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He heard he was coming to town, but this isn't going to be easy. As the children's song goes, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. If he was going to see Jesus, he'd have to do something out of the ordinary. He was going to have to get a little higher than everybody else so he could see over everybody. So he ran ahead of the crowd and he found a sycamore tree in the direct path Jesus was walking. As quickly as he could, he climbed up the sycamore tree above the rest of the crowd so he could see Jesus. And here the story takes a very interesting twist. As Zacchaeus climbed the tree to see Jesus, within just a few minutes here came Jesus and Zacchaeus saw him. But what he didn't expect was Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And he really didn't expect Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. For Luke 19 verse 5 reads, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, called him by name, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at your house. It'd be easy to assume Jesus was passing through Jericho, nothing else on his mind except finding Zacchaeus, and maybe that was the case. Or maybe he was heading somewhere to teach or to work a wonder. Whatever his motivation, this short, despised tax collector came down out of the tree quicker than he went up, and Zacchaeus went home, opened his door wide, and received Jesus with joy. Imagine that scene. Zacchaeus joyful to have seen Jesus. Jesus Joyful to have found Zacchaeus. The rest of the crowd, eh, not so joyful. And they made it abundantly known. Whispers and murmurs soon started up. Can you believe Jesus is in the house of a oh, sinner? Can you believe Jesus would spend any time at all with that man who got rich off of our taxes? Zacchaeus felt the sting of their words, and he quickly defended himself to Jesus. He felt conviction because he had cheated somebody out. So Zacchaeus said, Half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll give it back fourfold. And Jesus smiled. He quickly responded and let Zacchaeus and the crowd know why Jesus came to Jericho in the first place. This day salvation has come to this house, for as much as he is the son of Abraham, Zacchaeus? That cheat tax collector? Yes, he's a son of the father of the faithful. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus thought he had forfeited his spiritual heritage, and Jesus said, No, when you repent, you can be restored. One more question. Have you ever considered the miracle that Jesus found you right where you were and saved you? What amazing, amazing grace. People do love a good party, a good celebration. Something about getting together with people you love and celebrating a milestone or accomplishment. It's laughter, it's fun, it's food, it's cake, which I like pie more, but that's beside the point. It's memories we make, stories we tell, some of life's greatest treasures. But out of all the holidays, the birthdays, the anniversaries, the celebrations in our life, nothing deserves more rejoicing than the day we were saved. No greater day in our lives than the day Jesus found us and saved us. That day is far greater than all the other celebrations in life combined. Just as heaven rejoiced at the day of our salvation, we should also rejoice with others for theirs. We should celebrate the deliverance and spiritual freedom God has given all of us. Make every day a reason to recall what the Lord has done and rejoice. It had to be a strange feeling for Zacchaeus to realize Jesus knew where he was, who he was, 
and Jesus also knew Zacchaeus was lost, but not for long. Pardon the pun, all of you dads and all of you dad joke lovers out there will like this. Just like Zacchaeus, we were a little bit short when it came to being saved. One day we went looking for Jesus. We knew where we were, but we also knew we were lost. But just like Zacchaeus, it was a wonderful, startling realization that Jesus was already looking for us. Think back to that moment you realized you were lost and you needed God to save you. Then think about when you were born again of the water and the Spirit. No greater feeling, no greater infilling on earth quite like it. Once we realize we've been saved, God gives wonderful joy, lasting joy. Every day, let's seek to recapture, live in the glorious glow of that same joy. The words of the hymn Amazing Grace need to become our testimony, our mantra. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Okay, we wrap this up. Six-year-old Cody Shee made headlines when he vanished into the freezing wilderness in northeast Oregon. Now, thankfully, spoiler alert, he made it out safely. After 18 hours of slogging through that wilderness, he made it to safety. 32 years later, he retraced his steps, and she, he said, getting lost was one of the best life lessons he ever learned. At that time, he weighed about 40 pounds and stood about three and a half feet tall. His family was living in a remote area of Wallowa County, Oregon, and one day Cody got lost in the woods while playing with his older sister at a picnic. And in a short time, a search party began looking for them. They went back and forth across the Blue Mountains, but remember, he's only three and a half feet tall. They went on horseback all night long until the rain started to fall and the temperature was barely above freezing. The elements froze them out. They never found Cody, but he did not stay lost. Some would say he found himself. He simply began walking. He walked between 14 and 20 miles in that short 18-hour span. He eventually walked out of the mountains and into the Wallowa Valley. His walk was extremely eventful. He fell into a river. He climbed a tree to escape two terrifying coyotes, or coyotes, depending on the part of the world you live in. He was cold. He was exhausted. He was freezing. His experience caused him to develop acute tendonitis in his ankles that put him on crutches for about a week. But he literally saved himself from being lost. Now, like Cody, we were all lost. But there are two major differences between our story and his. First, we can't save ourselves spiritually. We don't have the power within ourselves to save ourselves from sin. No matter how hard we try, we will still be lost. But secondly, even though Cody's parents loved him dearly, the elements froze them out and they could not keep looking. And yet, no matter what, Jesus has never stopped looking for us. He never lets anything stand in the way of him finding someone lost. The parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son are all evidence of that. The story of Jesus going out of his way to find Zacchaeus shows us just how much Jesus loves the lost. Whether you were lost in the house like the coin, separated from the sheepfold like the sheep, or far away from Jesus like the son, Jesus found you maybe up a tree somewhere like Zacchaeus. Thank God he was looking for you, and he did not, and he will not stop looking for you until he finds you. Let's pray together for God to seek and save those who are lost. For you know somebody in your life who's lost and needs Jesus. Maybe they have never walked with God. Maybe they did, but they walked out. Or maybe that somebody is you, and you need to come to God. Would you join me in praying for God to keep seeking and saving those who are lost, and then for us to rejoice when he does? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. It is indeed marvelous, amazing, 
indescribable. We're grateful for your grace. I pray continue to seek and save those who are lost, those who used to walk with you but walked away. God, bring them back to you, I pray. Those who have never walked with you but are looking for you, God, keep looking for them, seeking and saving those who are lost. I pray lead the hungry to be fed, the lost to be found, and we will rejoice when you do. We will be thankful. We will be grateful. We will celebrate with heaven on earth when you seek and save those who are lost. I pray this today, and I thank you for it in the precious, lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share. Be sure to click the notifications button, follow, like. That way you'll never miss an episode. Share it with others who need to hear it, who need to be encouraged, who need to be blessed. Maybe you're a teacher of God's Word for Life, and you've got students who have missed class, or maybe they're just having a difficult time in life, share this podcast with them. Let them know they can listen to this. In addition to learning God's Word for Life in the classroom or in the small group, they can also continue to learn more and and continue to draw closer to God through this. So share it with them. Also head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up God's Word for Life resources. You can pick up all kinds of wonderful resources. And if you use promo code GWFL, 10 GWFL, the number one zero, you can save 10% off your entire order if you use it for the first time. It's a one-time use promo code GWFL10 at checkout. Next week, we especially celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The tomb in Jerusalem is still empty, and we're going to celebrate that with an episode entitled Witnesses of the Resurrection. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.